I personally believe that entrepreneurs also make excellent employees, mm. right? Um, you know, you don't always have to think entrepreneurially and have your own business. Okay. You know, you can think entrepreneurially inside of an organization. All right, so welcome back everybody. Rich Baker, Shanghai-based social entrepreneur in Saigon on the river this week. Uh, meet with Brian Cotter to talk about his work as an entrepreneur inside of a large organization affecting global social change. Through this one, it's a little bit different because I'm really trying to understand like how can you as an individual be entrepreneurial within an organization to have that, that next step that maybe as an entrepreneur on your own, you struggle with. Uh, we had a great conversation about this. He's very good at breaking it down two by twos. I think kind of really come natural to this guy. Um, but it's a fantastic conversation. And it's something I hope that you'll consider because a lot of you, you're entrepreneurial, but you're not sure how to do it on your own. You might look at a large organization. And he gives a few tips at the end about, you know, how do you make that decision? Work for a large organization, work for yourself. There's pros, there's cons, but at the end of the day, it's all to the individual to figure out what they have, what they want to achieve, and on what time scale. Yeah, my name is Brian Cotter. Uh, I'm here in Vietnam for 13 years now. I've been working with UNICEF for the last five years. And uh, over the last, uh, over that time, I've been working on this project called Upshift and the Generation Unlimited Youth Challenge, both of which focus on social innovation and social entrepreneurship for young people, especially those who are marginalized or disadvantaged in some way. Now, you're working within a very large multilateral organization to teach social entrepreneurship. Mm -hmm. um, tell me a little about how does that work within a large organization? What are the goals and maybe, you know, how do you, how do you get started doing that work? Yeah, so, so when I started, uh, I was actually working at the country level mm. and uh, we were looking for a way of engaging young people and, and changing their minds about what they could do, uh, how they could create change yeah. and thinking entrepreneurially. Uh, think about the solution, think about going from problem to solution. Mm -hmm. So at the beginning we were looking at you know one country, maybe one city level. Right. Um, and so that's how we were designing the program. As that built out, uh, the role that I've been in kind of shifted. Mm -hmm. So uh, the program upshift went from one country to three countries, uh, then to ten countries, and now oh. it's in about over 20. Um, and part of that shift has been also upscaling to using the model in different ways. And that's where the uh, youth challenges come in. And the youth challenge this year is in 41 countries. Wow. So we've went from uh, focusing on how does it work in one country in a limited scope to how does it work on a multi-country scope, how does it scale up even further. How long did you start with the one country model and what was the process of kind of starting, refining, knowing you're ready for scale? Uh, well, I'm not sure if you ever know if you're ever really ready. Um, and so there's still a very uh, large portion of it which is country dependent because of the context. Okay. Um, so at a country level, you have to look at what the situation is. Mm -hmm. How does the program look country to country? Right. Um, but the work that I do is looking at how do we make sure that every country kind of has a consistent, fair, and transparent way of operating mm -hmm. uh, in that way that it's one program. Okay. Um, and so even though it looks different in different spaces, you know, sometimes we work with the Ministry of Education, sometimes we work with Ministry of Social Affairs, sometimes it's the Ministry of Youth, okay. um, it's still the same program. Okay. And what's the age range, what's the intake program itself? Uh, so most places work with uh, under 18s, okay. so you know, 14 to 19, but there's a lot of work also with the 18 to 24 range, mm -hmm. uh, which are under the UNICEF, or the UN definition of youth. Okay. Um, so for the youth challenge, it's 14 to 24, mm -hmm. and for upshift, which is more UNICEF focused, it's uh, usually you know children under 18. Okay. Now that's a really, let's just be fair, a high risk age group 
to catalyze into entrepreneurship. Mm -hmm. So is that the goal to turn them into entrepreneurs? Is the goal to get them to think entrepreneurially? Like what's, what's, the, t what's the goal that you guys are hoping to take away from? So I think the goal there is to think entrepreneurially, mm -hmm. right? So look at things that are happening in your community that are considered problems. Instead of being part of the problem, look at how you can be part of the solution. Right. Um, and so thinking like an entrepreneur is thinking about, okay, that's a problem, it affects me, how can I change? Mm -hmm. uh, and then it also looks forward, say, I want to be financially sustainable, I want to be able to grow this. Um, and think of solutions such as that. Okay. So that's thinking entrepreneurially. And if you apply that thinking, um, you know, I personally believe that entrepreneurs also make excellent employees, mm. right? Um, you know, you don't always have to think entrepreneurially and have your own business. Okay. You know, you can think entrepreneurially inside of an organization, right. uh, you know, like what I try to do with my work sure. and what a lot of other people try to do. Yeah. Um, and so I think that that skill set, that thinking strategically, that, that thinking skill set is really useful. So actually, I, I want to segue into that and maybe a little bit early, but talk, you were an entrepreneur, you had your own business. Mm -hmm. Now you're actually you know, using this platform to reach a scale that I think many would like to achieve. Mm -hmm. Can you talk a little about like how are they different? Like how is being your own boss different from working with an organization, access to resources? Like, yeah, I think you're always your own boss in a sense, right? You manage your own time, even if you are under uh, a time management of the system. Yeah. Um, and you can make a lot of use of that time or you can make little use of that time. So mm -hmm. uh, I, I think that the skills are the same. Again, I think that uh, how you manage your time, if you're an entrepreneur or not, is, is pretty similar actually. Um, and so even inside of a big organization, you know, it's not one uh, monolithic thing. You know, there's a lot of people with different objectives and, and there's different things they're trying to do. There's uh, a lot of you know politics inside big organizations. Yeah. So you still have to be there representing the project you're working on. So when you show up to a meeting, when you show up to uh, you know for fundraising, something like that, yeah. you still have to represent your product, your goals, your vision. Mm -hmm. um, and that's very entrepreneurial uh, in right. in my sense. You still have to show up to sell. You have right. to get people to buy what you're selling. Um, and so you know, and it's not just me. It's the the team. It's the the whole process. That uh, it's 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 a process. Now, I mean, just from looking at the resources that you have available, how is it different or how do you think being inside this larger organization would allow you to have more impact than if you were on your own? Well, I mean, uh, very clearly, uh, you know, UN, the UNICEF is in 190 countries. Um, you know, obviously we're not going to work in all of them probably, right. um, but that's a potential distribution network mm -hmm. of the work we're doing. So we have this uh, preset kind of range we can work with. Yeah. Um, and so we can work with those guys and they have their own resources at the country level, at the regional level. Yeah. Uh, and then we have things that uh, kind of exist like private sector partnerships yeah. and the public sector partnerships that a lot of people would have a lot of struggle to access that working within you know the UN, the UN system actually does have access to. What are some of the things you have to kind of give up when you go into an organization like that that you would have as an entrepreneur like it's only your thing? What what's yeah. some of the the challenges of the the, the things that come along with that because it's, it's yeah. plus and minus. Well, there's always pros and cons. There, there's, there's always a negotiation, right? So there's definitely objectives that we have to meet that weren't normally on our radar. Mm -hmm. um, but I think that diversity yeah. also brings out a lot of opportunity. Yeah. So because we have to consider a lot of things from different angles, you know, how does this type of person look at it? How does this public entity look at it? How does, we have to diversify our thinking. Yeah. Um, and so that makes us also very flexible in the sense that, that we have already considered a lot of opportunities 
before they confront us. Mm -hmm. And we've already you know, mitigated some of those risks. So I think when you're in a smaller situation, maybe on your own, you have a very narrow tunnel view of things. Yeah. Um, we can't afford to have that view because every time we think about scaling out, we have a huge number of uh, factors to consider. Right. So while we may move slower, yeah. uh, we have this, you know, this diversity of factors that yeah. are in our thinking that kind of uh, show up over time as being a scalable project. Is it kind of a luxury of being able to focus on, I have to engage these key customers on this program that's already developed? Like, mm -hmm. Is it easier in that sense to get the stakeholder engagement or is it at least clearer as a starting point? Not always. Okay. Uh, you know, as, as with a lot of business, the answer is always it depends. Okay. Um, but I think that we have a certain class of yeah. stakeholders that we tend to work with. Yeah. And so they're not as different as sometimes you think, mm -hmm. but they are diverse. So, uh, you know, I, I think that's kind of the key where I want to get to. That it doesn't necessarily yeah. narrow or broaden, but it gives us insight into different opportunities and challenges that might come forward okay. uh, from different classes of stakeholders. Is it nice to be in an organization where you don't have to worry about the P&L every day, like you have the luxury of a little bit more time, you know, the market's not actively trying to kill you literally every day, six different ways from Sunday. Like, is it, is it, does that help you as an individual feel like you could focus on the work and scale it up? Um, so there's two things I wanted to look at here. One is that time scales for kind of working with the public sector are different than private sector for sure. Um, and it's not that you're not necessarily being watched or not watched, but tracked actively. Um, and the second thing is that we may not have a P&L, but we still have finance, right? Right. We still have accountability to finance. Yeah. So it's not that we don't have quarterly objectives necessarily like a, a public company might, right. but we definitely have objectives. We have people who are saying, okay, we're investing in you mm -hmm. to get something done. Have you got it done? Right, right, right. So we are still measuring. We're still looking at outcomes. We're still measuring you know, key performance indicators. A lot of the yeah. language is very similar. Right. Um, so I, I think it's a lot more similar than people would think. So then if you look, you look back at your entrepreneurial experience, what are the things that you're kind of, you're happy to have given up as an entrepreneur with a small group and to go into this, to this larger organization? Um, I think having the support of different people really helps. When you're an entrepreneur, there's a, there's a pretty lonely journey a lot. Um, you have other people who can sympathize with you, yeah. but they're not necessarily going to, you know, they're not going to jump in on your side all the time because it's an individual thing many yeah. times. Right. Um, working in a big team, you actually have a lot of other people working on similar things as you. Mm -hmm. And because you're on the same team already, I think there's an opportunity to collaborate off the bat. Yeah. Um, there's, there's like, okay, you're working in you know, Geneva, I'm working in Vietnam, but we're working on the same thing. How do we, right, right. How do we just bring that together because we're in one organization, one network? Yeah. Uh, and, and my experience as an entrepreneur is like, okay, I'm working on this and you're working on that and they're complementary, yeah. but now we need to figure out a transaction of some kind, mm -hmm. you know, any kind, even if it's a joint, uh, you know, volunteerism, something. Yeah. And I found it a little bit more difficult. So do you find this as a great vehicle or medium to be entrepreneurial? I think it's broadened my experience of what entrepreneurial thinking means. Okay. Um, so you know, I'm I'm half in, half out. Mm -hmm. um, so when I look at opportunities outside for entrepreneurship, you know, building businesses, I think about them differently now. Okay. Um, in terms of okay, what does this mean at this kind of scale, this kind of opportunity? Okay, or is it something that is you know a one person opportunity, maybe a small team? So are you more content then that? 
your pure entrepreneurial activities would be smaller, like you're not looking for scale, it's regional, global, like I think a lot of entrepreneurs at first round, you're like, I'm gonna change the world. Yeah. If I can just get a bunch of people to believe in my crazy. Yeah. But you get humbled, right? Like when, when yeah. you run out of money, when you lay off, when you, when you have a product that fails or yeah. whatever. But now that you've actually seen real scale, yeah. it's interesting that you would then look at your entrepreneur, like how, how does that come back? Um, so I've experienced failure at a small scale. It felt big to me, but it is a small scale. Um, I've also experienced failure at a, a larger scale, you could say many multiple failures with this journey that I've had. Um, I think I, I look back at the entrepreneurial side as, okay, what is something that is a bit more manageable, controllable at a smaller organizational scale? Because okay. I don't have any immediate hopes of being able to be a monolithic structure that has all these controls in place mm -hmm. that would allow that kind of scale. Right. Because even if the business is going extremely well, the development of all the systems and processes to manage at that scale yeah. takes years. Um, and so I've kind of backed off in terms of vision mm. in the short term. Okay. To say, okay, what is something that we can build to that we can, uh, that I could kind of see the scale of and manage it in a way that uh, doesn't lead to a, an abrupt fail. You have a keen sense of self-awareness that I see coming through here. <laughs> like you kind of know where you're comfortable you like to push where you're uncomfortable without going too far over. Is that from the failures of entrepreneurship or is that from seeing the potentials of different models? I think it's both. Okay. Um, but you know, those failures of entrepreneurship, they still sting, mm. right? So they're, they're still conscious in my mind. And yeah. you, know, you learn from them, a lot of people talk about that. And after they've gotten successful, they talk about the, the failures of the past. Yeah. Um, I still feel those failures a lot. Yeah. And they do think, in, in, when I talk about risk analysis, yeah. they factor in there a lot. Okay. It's like, if I'm gonna put my time and effort and I'm really gonna go on something, I wanna make sure it has a certain potential of success. Mm. So you know, it's allowed me to kind of skip some smaller opportunities I saw that were really good for success, but maybe were not quite big enough for me to bite off now that I'm a bit older, a bit wiser, have a bit more obligation. Um, but yeah. Does that make you a better employee? Like, could be. Yeah? Yeah, could be. Um, but on the other side, I think once the decision for me is made about do I start something, I'm gonna be much stronger in that commitment uh, to making it work. Okay. So I think now in a way, like, Assuming that the current project, you, you've gone multi-country, you've gone global, it could potentially go to many more countries. Right? Like that's, that's a successful exit in a way, right? Okay. Like you've, you've really built that system, you would have driven impact at a much higher level than you could have been, perhaps on your own, without a lot of, a lot of things going really well for you yeah. as an entrepreneur. Does that spoil you then if you go back to something else? Like does that make it harder to think about scale of impact? Uh, I'm Again, I'm going to go back to it depends because, yeah. you know, we talk about the, the work that I've done. Mm. It's part of a very large team that are loosely connected. It's a network, yeah. right? So though I work very significantly on the back-end processes and systems of scaling, yeah. uh, we have so many other people who are contributing and helping and doing all these things that, that I own a very narrow mm. portion of the success. Okay. And so I think I would try to keep that in perspective yeah. that like I've done this part, this is my contribution. Um, and you know, maybe the success mm. maybe is dependent on it or not, but there's so many people that I'm part of. If I go out and on my own or a part yeah. of a small team, I own a larger part of a smaller success. Yeah. It's a different feeling to me. But would you now approach entrepreneurship differently and look to build a bigger team than you, than you would have 
because you recognize the... I think it's the opposite. Yeah. I think I, I, I would be more comfortable in a smaller team at this point because I've been working in very small, lean teams within the larger organization. Okay, okay. So I'm very comfortable working with a small team where I say, I, I know what, exactly what you're doing. Mm. I know exactly what I can expect from you. Yeah. And that's how we build our relationship. So it's not like we have 100 people working together on one thing, a big team. We have a small team working on a larger project that has a network of more people. Yeah. But we're not technically working in that team structure, right? Mm -hmm. So we don't have managerial oversight on things. We more have advisory and um, consultancy kind okay. of a relationship. Okay. So if we go back to uh, working in a team, then the smaller team structure is what I'm, I'm pretty comfortable with at the moment. Okay. Is there a limit to lean and entrepreneurial in a large organization like this? Like, do you have to pull it back a little bit, be a little bit more political process? I think so. It's a big machine, mm -hmm. yeah? So if you are a lean team and you go way off the track of the overall strategy, that's going to make both of your works less efficient, mm -hmm. right? So your work's going to have a lot of drag behind it because the organization is going to say you're going off track right. and the organization is going to say, well, why are our resources not pushing us forward? Right, right. So I think that there is a limit mm -hmm. um, and that's where a lot of the communication and understanding really has to come in. Okay. Yeah. Um, we have a lot of viewers who I think are going to be in a, in a similar position. They're, maybe they're not sure entrepreneur or going to a big company. I mean, it could be a big NGO, it could be a big yeah. company, it doesn't matter, just a, a matrix, as it were. But they're going to look at the matrix and go, no, I want to be entrepreneur, I want the biggest impact I can, but I don't want to work in an organization. Mm -hmm. Like, what, would you, what are a few things or myths that you would want to dispel to like, no, actually, this might be for you? Well, I mean, I still think a lot of my work is entrepreneurial. Mm. You know, I'm solving problems fairly frequently. Some of them are more internal type of issues. Yeah. Um, but if you're an entrepreneur, you're solving a problem, right? And there's no shortage of problems in the world. Mm -hmm. uh, and so if you're not sure you like the organizational side, there are ways of stepping in one foot yeah. before you jump all the way in. Right? So I've had most of my time as a consultant. So that allow, has allowed me a little bit of distance to still connect outside the organization and then say, okay, in the organization, how does this operate? And outside, how does it operate? Um, how can I adapt something from outside, inside? Yeah. Um, you know, the ways of working or, or a team structure or a, um, a communication style yeah. or tools, whatever it is, what helps us get to our ultimate goal of scaling this project. Yeah. Um, and so I think in our work has evolved over time using some of these solutions that a lot of people wouldn't think we're inside the organization and they're not widespread right right they're specific use case tools so I think if you love solving problems you can find a space inside of an organization and you can step your way in mm -hmm. without jumping all in if you're not sure so there's always a way of um, there's always a way to do what you're hoping to do if I was a young graduate at whatever level Kind of keeping in mind the, the tool sets, the skills, the mm -hmm. structure, the like that teamwork. Yeah. Do you think it'd be better for young graduates to go into a system like this, really learn those key fundamentals, allow for an organization to develop them, and then they realize like, okay, here's here's a place for me outside. Mm. Is it, would that make sense? Would, is that because I I kind of talk to a lot of young professional or young, you know, exes like I want to be a social entrepreneur. Like, well, you know, you're gonna waste your friends, families, money, making the mistakes that an organization, profit, nonprofit, whatever, would pay you to learn. Yeah. Um, so to think about that, mm. I think that for social entrepreneurship, you should work on a problem that you experience. Yeah. 
because then you understand it in a way that you can't understand a third person. Yeah. I, I, and I do think that, and, and I think uh, some of the successful social enterprises I've seen have either had the founder experience it or have a very strong relationship with someone or a group of people who do. Yeah. Um, and it's that understanding that makes you less likely to make big problems yeah. Yeah? or big mistakes. Um, sometimes in an organization they have this organizational memory that says, oh, we tried that. Okay. Um, and I think that is also damaging to young professionals who want to try things and say, well, you did learn that, but maybe I bring something new. Right. And so if the organizational memory can't be overcome, right. then you may not learn that lesson. Okay. So I think it's, it's, it's an individual decision, mm -hmm. but if you're going to do a social enterprise, yeah. be connected to the problem. Don't read about it in the newspaper, be connected, go experience it. Right. You know, use the data, yes, yes, but use the human connection more. Mm. I, I really think, like, it's, for me, it's a very interesting because I haven't interviewed many people who really try to drive entrepreneurship and innovation through an organization that, I mean, historically has not been known for those things. I mean, I got, I got to speak out for the UNICEF innovation yeah. team because um, they've done a, an amazing job. I mean, there are teams, uh, I work on the team that's called Accelerate to Scale. Mm -hmm. So our specific job is to look at projects that have worked in a couple countries and bring them out as many as possible before bringing them into the broader organization. Right. Um, and there's, you know, there's projects that have done more than a billion kind of SMS type messages. There's, there's big scale projects. Uh, there's projects that are in, you know, 40 countries. There's, yeah. and, and a lot of people don't, have never heard of these projects before because they're within these circles, but they're very, they can be considered very innovative, uh, even if they're maybe not the highest tech. They've right. repurposed older tech, or they've they've done other things that that I think um, are very laudable. Yeah. Um, and then there's also other elements of the team that are working on blockchain and crypto mm. and things that you know people think are just you know not applicable in the real world. And you have you know people in the innovation unit at UNICEF that are finding real world opportunities with governments yeah. around the world that apply these technologies. And it's early days. Yeah. But that's how it's supposed to be. What led them to this? I think there's just, you know, um, there's a, a set of people who said, look, we need to find ways of keeping up with what's happening and finding things that are on our fringe yeah. that can be applicable in our context and bringing them in. Yeah. And things that don't apply to our context, okay, we let them go. But if there's a potential, we should develop them a little bit. And if they develop in our favor, then we can take it further. Yeah. And if it's not, then okay, we can let it go. Mm. Um, and so there's been this kind of organizational drive towards that okay. um, w alongside with the traditional work. And does that require more a change in culture as in taking more risk, being more innovative, being more open-minded to... I think there is always a you know, it's, it's hard for me to say because I haven't been in the, the broader organization. I have that one foot out. Yeah. Um, but from my view, I've seen that there's been a bit more risk taking yeah. uh, in a way that is uh, organizationally acceptable. Yeah. Right. So there's a plan, there's a strategy mm. um, and, and there's opportunities there. Right. And so the risk has been mitigated by having that strategy okay. and that strategy can grow over time. Yeah. And there's people who are willing to take those risks. But I, I also noticed that a lot of those people who, who, people who have taken those risks, they have always been the kind who looked to push the programming forward, mm. right? Um, and then they were giving a structure that allowed that to be organizationally promoted. So I think that, I think it's a, it's a good lesson to learn for those large monoliths who maybe aren't, you know, in the private sector that can put these big 
marketing campaigns around innovation around, yeah. you know, that they actually can do this uh, in the context with the strategy. And there's a lot of people who really enjoy this kind of work, yeah. who also enjoy the kind of work that the, the UN and UNICEF, they, that they do, mm. and those kind of challenges that they bring. All right, final question. Someone's looking at two offers, or two ideas. I'm gonna start my own company, I'm gonna go work for the United Nations mm -hmm. in some capacity, basically with the same desire to affect change on an issue that is very tangible to them. What are two or three things you would recommend they consider to make the best decision that they can? Um, how much time are you willing to put in? Yeah, uh, so it's time. Um, how much are you willing to sacrifice in terms of personal, you know, when you start a business, most of the time you've got to sacrifice a lot of personal things. Mm -hmm. uh, you work, you know, you work for someone else, you don't necessarily have to sacrifice all those things. Um, I think that's important. Um, and three is, is your hope for impact, is it a localized impact or is it a larger impact uh, that want, you want to last decades or you know, longer. Sure, sure. Um, because the work that the, the, you know, the UN does usually is governmental, change of governmental practice. Mm. And that takes time yeah. and it lasts a long time usually. Right. Um, and so if you want to have a localized impact on a community that, that you are deeply connected to, mm -hmm. then maybe doing your own thing is the fastest way to that. Um, but there's the saying, if you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go together. Right. And I think that there's a lot in that. Mm. Um, as long as you know yourself and you know kind of what the people you're joining up with are looking to do. Okay. Yeah. Um, sorry, the real last question. What are the two or three tools you think that you brought into this organization that really entrepreneur at heart that you brought in that were the most valuable? <sighs> Well, as like I've said before, uh, I definitely wasn't the only one to bring the tools in. Yeah. So I'm just going to mention a few things that I specifically did, and then perhaps later I found other people who were doing very similar sure, things. Sure. Um, I definitely was focused on social entrepreneurship for young people, mm. on that you know community change through thinking like an entrepreneur. Um, just that whole concept of programming, I worked a lot on. Mm -hmm. I think that's been um, that's the view of that kind of program has changed quite a bit in the last five years. Okay. Um, I think um, also I, I've been kind of also with tech. How how do I put this? I, the 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 pre work before you get to the tech. Yeah is really the challenging part. Mm. And so there's a lot of tech projects that we passed on because we couldn't get the, the pre-work done right. right. Now we just couldn't get the right way of working. Mm. Um, and then I think just the, I'm, sorry, I'm trying to think of a third yeah. one. I, I think it's also um, a unique thing that we work on is I'm on a remote team. Mm. Um, you know, we're almost entirely decentralized as a team. None of us sit in the main office. Yeah. Uh, and so that's very rare in the UN as well. Mm. Um, and so I think that way of working that we've all kind of had of, you know, working from countries all over the world and bringing those yeah. contacts with us, I think that's, that's been really valuable for other people to, as well. Thank you very much for your time. Thank you.